podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi guys, the Non-League Treatment Room have partnered up with Pathways Coventry. Pathways is a men's mental health support group who meet up for weekly meetings, local walks, daily check-ins, regular mountain walks and more. Men's mental health is so important and we need to break the stigma that men can't talk about how they feel. Men need to know it's okay to talk about their feelings and what they're struggling with and Pathways is a group that can support you. Check them out on Instagram at pathways underscore cov. Thank you. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Non-League Treatment Room and we are back for season two and it feels like it's been a lifetime since we did the last episode but we are back and we are ready to bring you more stories, more guests and more laughter. We hope so anyway. Um, As always alongside me is Davo. How are you mate? Hello, welcome to season two everybody. Season two, yeah, here we go and we've got a Oh, we've got a good guest today. Yeah, I've got and it's foul very nicely. It has well. foul very nicely. Foul very nicely. We'll come into that. Um, just a quick one for everyone listening. Thank you so much for supporting us so far. And if you've come back to listen to some more, thank you for coming back and supporting us. If you're new to listening, welcome. And I hope you enjoy and I hope you um, enjoy every podcast that we do. Um, just a little bit of admin as always. Make sure you're following our social medias at the Non-League Treatment Room. And then also a big one for us is that we have been nominated for an award, the Football Content Award, haven't we? Huge. Massive. But that's down to everyone voting. Yes. Everyone voted for us and um, it's now come out that we are finalists in the category of the best in non-league so what we need you to do again listeners and everyone who um, supports us is to vote again so we'll put the link down in the podcast uh, description and what we need to do click on the link head to best in non-league go to podcast and select the non-league treatment room and vote for us again as we want to bring the trophy back home don't we and it's doable and it only takes 30 seconds yeah. it literally takes 30 seconds and if you're struggling drop me or cookie a message and we can do it for you or <laughs> or uh, we can't do it for you but we'll, we'll we'll show you how to do it literally the easiest thing to do in the world but we're buzzing for it ain't we mate we are we're gonna head down to liverpool aren't we hotels booked yeah anfield is where the awards night is so oh, it's gonna be um it's going to be a brilliant experience. Well, if anybody has a minute, just look at last year's. Where was it last year? Uh, I'm thinking Manchester. It was crazy, weren't it? I think it was somewhere. So, in, I think it was either Old Trafford or the Etihad. I think so. But it's, I can't remember. Like we say, it's all thanks to you guys that little old non-league treatment room may not be little old anymore. It might be uh, the best podcast going. Yeah. But that's all down to you guys. So get voting yeah. for us. Drop Help us a vote. Us out. Tell your friends, family, everyone... Because the more votes, the obviously the more chance, and we can bring the title home to the Midlands, and we can sit it on the desk every yeah. time we do a podcast. Absolutely, can't we? That's yeah, what we can, we can do. But anyway, let's get into let's, our let's guest. Do it. Um, so here we go. In the treatment room today, we have a Birmingham City Academy graduate and someone who made it into the first team for Birmingham City. Uh, he left Birmingham and went into the non-league world, playing for multiple. Big Midlands clubs like the Leamington, Stratford, Kidderminster, Tamworth, Bromsgrove and Rugby. All the big teams in the non-league. And he's now embarking into the management world 
for his first job at Albert Church. Here he is to tell us about his story. Please welcome Jimmy Fry. How are you, Jim? Hi, lads. Thanks for having me. Hello. Thank you for uh, coming on. Like I mentioned now, you've uh, got the Albert Church job. And when we were messaging at the time, you didn't have the job. Nope. nope. Um, we'll touch on this now. Sort of, how is it so far? Brilliant. Um, yeah. It's a lot different, a hell of a lot different. Um, but uh, I've loved every minute of it. Yeah. Um, everything about the club, um, the role itself. Uh, we won the first game on Saturday, which always helps. Yeah, club. saw that. Um, but no, I've, I've loved every, I've loved every minute of it. Last week it was hectic, um, as you can imagine sort of offered the job on the Tuesday. Uh, it was announced on the Wednesday. All the, you know, all the support, all the messages, everything else um, came through sort of Wednesday night, Thursday, Friday. But in amongst that, you got to prepare the team for Saturday. So um, meet the players on Thursday night. Put together a plan um, to go and to go and beat Long Eaton. Um, good side as well. Long they are a good side, mate. Haverston, we've played Long Eaton in... FA Trophy, weren't it? Down yeah. here. Was it Ian Deacon who was Ian in charge? Ian Deacon was the yeah, manager yeah. and um, we beat them. But it was a tough battle, weren't it? Yeah, big side, weren't they? Yeah, they were a big yeah, side. Yeah, they've had, they've had a strange year. I think there were loads of stuff going on at the start of the year, uh, which hasn't helped. And now um, Bradman and Lewis McGugan are kind of trying to rebuild. And yes, I, I saw that, yeah. I think I, for, for me, from what I've seen and the stuff that I, I sort of look back on that they're, they're doing really well and they're they, they're getting somewhere um and it was tough for us but you know we got over the line and, well yeah. what you gotta remember is about long eating is they've jumped very quickly so mm. i think that did they have two successive promotions or i think they did but they got promoted last year didn't they yeah so i think they um they've definitely rose up quite quickly mm. definitely but how did the alva church position come about did you like act? Were you actively looking for management jobs, or um, is that sort of it's the always plan? been something that I've wanted to do? Yeah. Obviously, I was full time at Birmingham um, within the academy, so that was my primary role. Anyone that knows me will know I've always had an itch to get into management. Into mm. the, the long term ambition has always been to get into a first team yeah. coaching managing position. Um, I'm someone that within my coaching career now, I've never put a time frame on anything, so it's not like I finished playing in the summer, for example, and it was like, right, I want to get a job uh, in management. But at the same time, uh, you know, there, there was an itch for me um, to get in. Um, there was a couple of a couple of sniffs in the summer, um, didn't quite work out, uh, I think for obvious reasons. Um, main one being experience of actually managing. Um, but yeah, and then Alva Church sort of asked if, um, I'd be interested in speaking to them and going through the process and of course I said yes it's on my doorstep I live 10 minutes away yeah. know the um, you know know the club from the outside pretty well um, went through the process and did enough to, to, to get off the job yeah no, it's fantastic do, do you see a big difference Jim in going from academy to non-league management wise uh, yes and no um, I, I suppose it's it's different at our church because uh first of all they're a hybrid program uh or a hybrid training program so we've got some lads who are in pretty much full time and yeah. then that's mixed in with some part-time players now that's not every club um well i don't know of another club at step three um especially not in our league that are no, hybrid not, not one's coming to um so 
in that regard, no. However, um, there are differences. The main differences are off the pitch for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because even when I was playing in terms of, um, you know, you might get a swollen ankle, for example. Mm. And if you're in the professional world, you rest that ankle, you ice that ankle every hour and a half or however, however long it is. And, you know, it accelerates your recovery. Whereas in the part-time world uh, of non-league football, you're, you're on your feet all day. So you can't yeah, get the exactly, swelling yeah. down and yeah. those sorts of things. And um, that that's the main difference for me. Um, in terms of going into the coaching, managing world, um, I don't see a massive difference at the moment um, mm. with what I'm doing at Alve Church. I think both jobs have got their... Uh, hectic moments and challenging moments um so look I, i'm i'm really early into it um but at the moment it's it's been really good and um there's not been a massive massive change mm-hmm. um there's other things that you have to deal with so budgets and you know all that sort of stuff but dealing with players it, it's almost i think it can get masked over you don't it's dealing with players you're dealing with humans you're dealing with people exactly um and look when you work uh in the academy world like it did you're working with young boys now obviously you're talking to the young lads in a slightly different way as you talk to an adult but i think the thing that you miss out is you also have to speak to their parents yeah a lot of the job is you have to deal with and manage and um, maybe manage expectation maybe manage you know keep them keep the parents uh, as level as possible that overlaps into non-league football, mm. um, as you know. It, it, you know, it's just a little bit more win, lose, win or lose in non-league football, whereas mm. the, the process is a lot more drawn out in academy football. Yeah, yeah. no, it's um, all set at the end. But we wish you all the best at Alva Church. Absolutely. And thank you. They've brought um, is it Rich Richie Batchelor in as well? Yep. So Rich Batch come in has come in as a player coach, mm. um, and then I've got Steve Hensel with me as well, who was already at the club. Um, under the previous management as sort of strength and conditioning coach. Yeah. He's going to continue with that role, but he's also on the grass with me um, yeah, nice. a little bit more than probably what he was before. It it seems like we've been chucked together, but I've known Steve for 15 years and I've known Batch for, well, probably about the same, both about 15 years. You played years. with Batch, did you? As well? Yeah, I played with Batch at Leamington. Yeah. Uh, I've coached his son. Um, so I know his family um, really yeah, well. Yeah. Uh, he knows my family. Same with Steve. Steve knows my family um, really well. So for me, it's a really good balance. Yeah, and I've definitely. got batches the total opposite to me, character-wise, <laughs> which is brilliant. Yeah, um, you, you need we, that sometimes. You know, he, and then... He, he doesn't know me and I don't know him, but I've seen him. Um, I was on a stag do in Albufuera, and I swear it was him. And all the other lads were saying... Because uh, did who did he was he at Alva Church and they got promoted or was he somewhere else? No, he was at Rushall. That's it. Was and they got Rush- promoted, Rushall, didn't they? Yeah. And they all went out to Albufuera. I did know. And I was out there for Cam Balford's okay. brother's stag do. Yeah. And um, they were all out there, all, all them players, absolutely going wild. And I think Cam said, "There's Batchy over there." And uh, I've never met the guy, but like, maybe like, he can confirm. Yeah, maybe when he this can. comes out, he can confirm <laughs> yeah, and drop us can. a tweet or something and say, "Yes, it was me." Um, we always start the pod with a, a, a big question. Mm. What does football mean to you? My first response would be everything. Mm. Yeah. Um, I've tried to get away from it for a short period. doesn't work. I thought um, stepping away from playing in the... Well, 
stepping away from playing roughly this time last year when I left Bromsgrove, I thought that was it. I was adamant that was it and I didn't want to step back in. And then lo and behold, I get a phone call from uh, an old manager of mine, Kyle Adams. Can you come in and help us get over the line? Um, first thing I say is yes. And I'm back in for a month. Um, I finish again. I try and step away. And now I'm back um, <laughs> in a different role. I, it's just, I, I love it. It's it's everything everything that I've known. Um, I think one thing that my journey through football has probably given me is it is everything, but it's not the be all and end all. Mm. Um, and I've learned to take interest, or I've done my best to learn to take interest in other things. And some of that I speak to young young players about all the time is you got to have something else apart from football. Mm. Um, you got to have other interests, um, other hobbies, wh- whatever it may be. Um, you've got to have something else, but at the end of the day, it's always, football's always number one. Yeah. If you don't mind me asking then, Jimmy, what is it that in the moments of where you've wanted to step away, what, what are the reasons for that? Uh, well, I'm only 28, so everybody was telling me, you're too young to start, make the most of it, go until you physically can't. I just stopped enjoying playing. Mm. And it's a weird one because I, I, love co- I love coaching more than I ever have done playing, mm. ever. Which is strange. You still get that buzz for when you yeah, coach and the, stuff like. Whether it be with the young boys at Birmingham, um, even the session last night that um, I took uh, with the first team, mm. um, the buzz I get from that is just a constant. It's it's constant. I wake up, I go to bed thinking about it. I wake up in the morning thinking about it. How can I make him better? How can I get this? Yeah. How can I? T- what do I need to tweak? Um, but in terms of playing. I, I just got to a point where I've I've got a one year old now, mm. um, and it and the job at Birmingham is full on. Anybody that knows anything about full time academy work, it's it's relentless, it's unsocial, it's hard to fit anything else in around it. Um, and I just got to a point where it was like, well, what am I doing it for? I, I don't enjoy being here. I actually started to resent leaving my little boy to be somewhere that I didn't really want to be, just because you're picking up a bit you know, a, a nice little pay packet on top mm. of your full-time wage. And I just weighed it up and I just sort of, I sort of went, if sounds terrible, but if the money isn't going to change your life and you're not enjoying it, and it's becoming a bit of a chore mm. and you're missing out on seeing your family, what's the point? And it was brave. It was brave of me because it's the first time that I really like committed uh, or thought I was committing to leaving the game uh, playing wise. But for me, it was the best decision I ever made. Mm. Well, I can sort of relate to that a little bit in terms of it can sometimes become a little bit of a chore. And like when I had my daughter and I was still in the game and I was a bit like, I'm having to leave the missus and the little one and you know, and you know, I'm coming here and missing time with my family and you think you, you do start to question it and weigh it up a little bit, don't you? And I can you know, I can definitely um understand that. And it's you know, fair play for, for saying that because not many people will probably admit that. Yeah, so I, I admire it, it to be fair, because I don't think I could ever come away. I really don't. It's been that part of my life for so long that I don't feel that I've been, I'd have to be in and around something at some stage. So I think credit where credit's due. I think, I think the only thing I'd add to it is saying I stepped away, I stepped away from playing. Yeah. But I was still, still full time coaching. coaching yeah, yeah, so yeah, I still yeah, got yeah. my football fix. I don't watch a lot of football. Um, and people are going to laugh at that. I watch what I need to watch yeah. for like a learning, you mm. know, I, I love watching, I love watching games of football and analyzing them. I don't really watch it for fun. No. Um, 
I don't know. Maybe I've just grown into that. I don't know. But I've always had that football fix. The only thing that I did start to miss was that winning, mm. that winning feeling, that winning, you know, what that weekend kind of adrenaline yeah, release yeah. kind of thing. I did start to miss that a little bit, but... You don't um, miss the losing part though, do you? Yeah, I don't miss losing. <laughs> no. It was bad enough with the under-15s at Birmingham when yeah. we lost in a, in a friendly or whatever, but yeah. no, I don't miss losing. That's the, that's the only thing that I missed really um, mm. from stepping away um, was was just that that little bit of an d- adrenaline release. And mm-hmm. there, were, there were weekends where I was sort of going, I, I, I could do with something you know, mm. do with something now. And I was always, you know, go, go and find something else. And I Did you not find... Nah, I, I, like I say, I, I was just spending time, as much time with my family as what I could around the job that I was doing at Birmingham. Yeah. Um, that was my main priority, which, mm. by the way, I loved. Like, mm-hmm. spend, spending time with my little boy and, mm. you know, my missus and things like that. Um, Hitchy different though, doesn't it? It's like two... They're both amazing things. Well, I, I've not got children, but... Obviously, I'm a, I'm a teacher and there's nothing better than seeing children progress. But on the flip side of that, for me, the biggest thing in football, like we've always said, is being around the lads, camaraderie, the stuff yeah. that goes on in the changing room, playing with your mates, winning together and sometimes losing together. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah, because that can bring you a bit... Oh, of course it does. close together, like... To go and get you out of a bit of a rut, can't it? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, if we just move on to our next point, then, Jim, where did football start for you? Take you. All, I mean, you're. I can't believe you're only 28. Yeah, kind of, uh, I, forgot, I forgot to put that on there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, football started. So, football started for me. At, uh, I believe it's still going. It's a place. It's a football. Um, I don't even know what it's called. It's called Strikes. A bit like a Strachan Foundation, or uh, a little bit. It was like, uh, or was it more for like? I'd, I'd be honest with you, it's like a camp. Yeah, like yeah, soccer yeah, camp. Yeah. We used to, my dad took me on a Saturday morning at Fox Alley's Leisure Centre, and that's where it all started. In um, what's well, an Acrox? Was it in Hall Green, Acrox Green, wherever? Anyway, yeah. And basically, my dad did that uh, because uh, his friends all had sons around my age, and basically they all they all um, took their sons in and to play football and they'd go off and have a beer and we used to love running around kicking balls and yeah, doing yeah, all yeah. that and just so happened that I was half decent um, and that's and that's that was on a Saturday morning then the better ones on the Saturday morning would do a Monday night um, at Mosley School on the 3G there or the old 3G um, yeah and then from there we used to play in a few tournaments um, always wanted to be a goalkeeper when I was when I first started, God knows why. <laughs> um, and then, uh, so yeah, we did a few few tournaments um, at Wastels. I was in goal, just, you know, turn up, play, go home. And then the one time I went outfield, uh, Steve Hopcroft uh, was there and he invited my dad down and, you know, that sort of business. And then all of a sudden I'm at, on trial at Birmingham. Um, the rest is history on that. Like I didn't have any Sunday league ex- Nothing like that. Just this, just this kickabout on a Saturday, which turned into a Monday night, turned into a few tournaments, and next thing you know, I'm signed at well under nine, so nine years old, and I'm in the academy world, and I've known no different. That's unbelievable. That is, and you've never felt turning up on a Sunday morning, and oh, you can't beat that feeling. But I envy you in a way because obviously you've gone straight into academy football. I, I mean, at the time. 
my my parents are big on um, like or were well they still are uh, but they were when me and my sister were younger and trying as many different things as possible. Absolutely. So my dad's a rugby man. So I used to play rugby at Campo Rugby Club. Um, that was that was my first sporting activity, I suppose. But I also used to play cricket. I tell a lie, it was cricket. I have got we, this we've down. We've got it here, mate. Yeah, we've so I started playing here. cricket earlier than I did play football at Mosley Cricket Club. Um, so again, I played football, rugby and cricket all by the time I was eight, nine years old. So, But weren't you, you were at the academy and playing cricket at the same time, weren't you? And you had to choose between... Cricket yeah. or football? That's what I read anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's right. right. So, because you, because you were, because you were, um, a good level for cricket as well, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. Like, um, I can't remember what level but it was. Yeah, um, so uh, I can't remember. I'll be honest. I can't remember which game first. I either signed for Birmingham in the winter, and then um, it was you did you don't sign for Warwickshire. I got chosen to play for Warwickshire in the yeah. summer, or it might have been the summer like before and then the winter afterwards I can't remember anyway it was, I was nine anyway um, and yeah just I, my whole childhood really was just winter playing football summer playing cricket and it was just repeated um, got to under 13 I think it was or it might have been under 12 um, and the systems are totally different so it's playing for Warwickshire is not like playing for Birmingham. Yeah. Um, the, the systems are still very, very different. Um, but I ended up, so playing regional cricket for the Midlands. So you had like Midlands, London and East, yeah. North, West, whatever it is. And that's basically trials for England. Um, so they pick the under 15, that would have been under 15 actually thinking about it. They pick the under 15 England group, squad, whatever you want to call it. Um, from that tournament um, mm. I was captain in the Midlands so which was nice because all the kits are different colours but they've got the England badge on it so yeah, the yeah, three yeah. Lions um, got that framed got nice. a nice squad photo framed yeah. I was captain of that um, but really and truly by that point I was doing very well at Birmingham and I kind of always knew that push comes to shove I'd really? choose football okay. I, I loved playing cricket I loved playing cricket with the people my my granddad, my um, my dad, my whole family loved coming to watch me play cricket. Um, and it would have made my granddad's world if I had continued playing cricket. Yeah. But I just always had that that hunger to, to stay and play football. And that's, that's what I chose. So I chose, uh, I got off the scholarship at Birmingham at the age of 14. So it was around then when I when I kind of chose football. I carried on playing for Warwickshire until under 16s and then had to stop. Really? And it was an easy choice? Yeah, it was an easy choice. Yeah, you still yeah. do a bit now no. with a cricket ball. No, I did uh, when I so when I went full time at Birmingham, I did a little bit, but football's so full on. Yeah, I didn't want to stand in a field, <laughs> and I hadn't practiced all year, so you're probably going to get out. I love batting, so yeah, uh, and uh, you're probably going to get out early on, and then stand in a field and basically pay subs to stand in the field all day. Having you know what I mean? And yeah, I just thought, nah, just I'd, I'd rather go and just. Be a 18, 19 yeah. year old. I love cricket, I do. It's one of them games where it's like golf, where it's so boring to watch. But when <laughs> when you're playing it, I love playing That's it. That's like every sport, though. Depends like. if you're having a beer or not. Yeah. But <clears throat> tell us about your time at Birmingham City Academy. Obviously, you've touched on you were there from the age of nine up until the first team, weren't you? Yeah. So that's a good 10 years of your life 
would you say? Yeah, so uh, it would be 11, nearly 12 years. 12 years of your life at, at Birmingham. Look, but Birmingham. I've been there and I fast forward a little bit, but I, I probably had, I can't remember exactly, probably about nine months of the time I got released, um, nine months out, and then I went back as a coach. So if you take nine, let's say nine to 12 months out of that 20 year period, I've pretty much been there the whole time so in one capacity yeah. or another. Um, it shaped, I can't, I can't speak highly enough of it. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And I think going back as a coach probably says it all because how many kids get released and you resent the manager yeah. for releasing you, yeah, the club, yeah. the coaches that you had because they didn't make you good enough and you blame everybody else. But for me, it wasn't, it was never about that. I had That's some bad point. luck, um, don't get me wrong, but I did everything that I could and I was comfortable with that and I just fell short. Like I got in the first team squad, got my squad number and all that, which was my proudest thing that, um, that, that you know, that ever could have happened to me at the time. I just didn't quite get on the pitch. Yeah. Um, what position but, did you play? So when I was young, I was a central midfielder. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I got to, so I got my scholarship as a central midfielder at 14. Um, and then kind of got stuck in the under 16s because I played up two, three years at a time and then um, just got stuck um, for one reason or another. Um, played in the 16s for about three years. And by the end of my under 16 year, I was playing at right back. So I started my scholarship at right back, didn't get in the team um, for the first game of the season at right back. And then an opening came at centre half, took that with both hands because it was the only way I was getting in the youth team at that point. Um, and then I signed pro as a centre back. So I could do a little bit of everything. And then I left the non-league, uh, I left uh, the academy game to go into non-league, played a little bit at right back. Uh, well, I went on loan as a right back and then ended up at the central midfield <laughs> and a little bit of everything. People always say that though, don't they? Your classic CDMs can always do a little bit of fullback, depending on which footing they are. There's Depends if you're a bombing fullback, but or I just feel, sitting. I feel that it's a different game. I ain't moving. <laughs> really? Nah, I, I'm feel moving fullback. I feel that it's a different game, and I don't know as, as a coaching aspect whether you'll agree with me or not. When you're playing right back and people always say it's the easiest position on the pitch. Not anymore. Well, it depends on formation, but depends. Depends if you're a right wing back or if you you know, it could be whatever. But I feel that playing as a central defensive midfielder, is that what you were or were you more attacking? No, defensive midfielder, yeah. It's yeah. a lot harder. You don't want me near the goal. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot harder because then fullback. Because when you're playing fullback, the game's always in front of you. Yeah. It's always there. Yeah, yeah. You know, you, Sunday league chant or not, ball over the top is the easiest ball as a fullback. If you're under a little bit of pressure, you know, you can clip it into the channel and it's a good ball, oh, no matter no. what. You right. need to look at him. I've never played football. No, <laughs> well, you'd be a great centre forward. You would cook it. Um, but I when you play, when you're playing as a, a centre midfielder, the game comes from so many angles that oh, yeah. it's. I, I find that it's it, yeah. it's really hard. It must be the I reckon, centre mid centre mid or striker's got to be the harder position. Do you reckon? Or uh, I don't know. Am I speaking a bit weird? Oh, everyone always says goalkeeper, don't they? But it's it's. I think that you're there or thereabouts. Oh, yeah. Goalkeeper's more of a specialist position, isn't it? Like, you've got you got to be nuts, a, yeah. yeah you got, it's like a specialist one. Whereas, I think you're right. So we, we had this, com we, I had this conversation with the young boys at Birmingham quite a lot, or their parents as well, when they go in, what position do you? And when they're young, I think especially at Birmingham, they, they they encourage playing as many different shapes and as many different positions as possible as they're learning the game, mm. um, so that they've experienced everything. And then you kind of 
over the course of time you work out what you're good at and what you're not so good at and I think the big one is the angles so like you say the game if you're playing at fullback you're probably playing the game in a 180 degree yeah sort of swivel yeah um because obviously you've got the touchline yeah on the one side which cuts off half of the pitch yeah whereas in the middle of the pitch you've got to know a three you're yeah, working 360, on a 360 yeah. and like I said there's so much going on mm. um so yeah again I think it's just I don't think there's any exact science towards it because no. every position you'll have different things like I played at fullback um with not not a massive amount of pace shall we say <laughs> yeah so if you fronted me at 1v1 and you're quicker than me or you're absolutely lightning and I'm thinking oh my god this is the worst position yeah. in the world but if you're not playing a winger against me. I don't know, maybe you're playing a diamond or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, the easiest thing in the world because you've got time on the ball, yeah. nobody's running at you. Yeah. So I, I think it, it just depends. I, I So when I went to Leamington, um, I played behind Matt Dodds. Yeah. And uh, Paul Holleran, the uh, Leamington manager, just used to say, give it to Dodds' his feet and he'll run it as quick as he can to the byline. He'll turn, he'll roll it back to you and you just put it in the box. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, was, that was it. That and was then... You know, and then we had like Ricky Johnson in my first year, Ricky Johnson to, to hit as a nine and just, it, it was just so simple. Um, mm. And then stop crosses. Yeah. yeah that was yeah. it. And so, yeah, it did become, I wouldn't say it became easy because you still got challenges within that, but it was so simple for me. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Quick message about one of our sponsors, Tread. Tread offer top quality grip socks for all types of sport. Available in a range of different colours. Tread won't let you slip. Check the link out in our bio or on social media or check out treadsocks.com. Was there a lot of pressure on you at academy level? Because uh, nowadays, I, out, from the outside looking in, so for someone like myself, I'm not involved in the academy, never been in the academy, but... We know we we both know someone who's got a lad in the academy, and he talks to me about it. And I'm thinking that must be like so much pressure. I, I, think I this don't. Is a great question to ask. Like so much, like so much, like a young person, yeah. a nine, ten, eleven year old. Yeah. Like from so for you, was there a lot of pressure and and or, or just before you answer this now, I think this is this is going to be the the theme of it all night for somebody that's been in an academy and somebody that has been in an academy coach. Yeah. it's like you are contrasting the two. Yeah. So in my head, I'll be thinking like, what's the pressure on me? And in and, and, and the backside of that, I'll be thinking, do I put pressure on the kids? Or not do I put pressure on them, but how would I, was it the same? Uh, was the pressure on me as it is now for the kids that yeah. I'm coaching? <clears throat> Sorry to interrupt. No, <laughs> no, no, no. So uh, funnily enough, if I go off on a tangent here, pull yeah. me right back. So uh, about... I can't remember when it was now, August, uh, early September, I delivered a, a, a workshop for the parents of Birmingham, um, 9s to 16s, where it ran them through my journey and my what I remember. Um, and obviously when I was younger, I don't remember a massive amount. I remember little bits. Mm. As I got older, the m- more memories I got. And then uh, I was lucky enough to have my parents come in and they correlated the story a little bit. So I was saying how I felt at the age of, let's say, 15. Yeah. And my parents would also go, well, when he was going through that or this injury or that um, scholarship moment or that professional contract, this is how we felt. That's really, that's really good. That, that is. is good. And yeah. um, I... I I enjoyed doing it. Um, I really enjoyed doing it, first of all, because it 
allowed me to reflect upon mm -hmm. my journey uh, and I just stopped playing as well so it was a moment where I could just sit back and go this is what I've done and what do I remember what 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 made me happy what, what you know what didn't what what wasn't great for me um so anyway going through that journey um I don't the only pressure I remember really was from myself like that I'd put on myself um, and also living up to expectation from the outside. Now I'm really lucky because my parents never put an ounce of pressure on me. They never have in anything that I've ever done. Um, maybe you could argue maybe my GCSE results mm. make sure I got what I needed yeah, to get. Yeah. I was going to ask um, you that actually. But um, in terms of football, my my parents, I, I couldn't ask for any more when I was growing up. Well, they just mm. like in, just enjoy it basically. Yeah, as long as I was safe and happy. Enjoy it and work hard and yeah. Be as long as I was safe and happy, my yeah. parents were happy. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and then included in that was my grandparents um, who would take me all around the country. Bear in mind that's a 12 months of the year because it was cricket in the summer, driving <laughs> around <laughs> Lancashire, Yorkshire and all that. And then in the winter, we were going to London, we were going to, you know, Man United and all these, these weird and wonderful places. I don't remember pressure. Um, the environment does does bring pressure on the players because ultimately it is really, really cutthroat. Yeah. My big thing is, especially when um, the kids are, are young in their teenage years, is um, if the pressure... If they've got a parental support around them, they can deal with that pressure better. Mm. Now, the minute the parents start putting extra pressure on the boys, that's when it becomes a uh, real issue because the environment is the environment. Um, and I think there are also moments where I think parents maybe get a little bit excited or go the opposite way. Um, and that can have a knock-on effect, obviously, on the child, on, on the young person. Mm. Um, the other big thing, the other big pressure was, um, and it was funny, um, I was always known as James at the time. Mm. Um, Jimmy came in at around 16 with my youth team coach, but um, James the footballer. So I'm a 14, 15, 16-year-old boy, and everybody knew me. Everybody uh, knew me as James the footballer. Everybody wanted to know me because I'm going to be the next Birmingham City right. centre midfielder or whatever. Um, so I had to live up, in my head, I had to live up to expectation. Wow. And you think about it and you go, imagine if I'm not, and all these people are like looking at me. I'm in a room, I'm in a party, and everyone's looking at you going, he's a footballer, he is, he's a yeah, footballer. Yeah, yeah. You, you, as a kid, you do have to live up to that. Yeah. And that's tough. Um, that's really tough. And I think that's quite relatable to quite a few of the young boys that I'm playing with, uh, playing with, uh, that I was working with at Birmingham, um, that they're going through similar. Because mm. you do you do become popular because, yeah. you know, you could be the next Jude Bellingham or, you know. <laughs> even, even now though, even now. So like in, in my job, the kids, it's so, it's a horrible thing to say, but it's so true you know that a group of kids are going to be okay in high school and they're not going to get bullied and they're not going to be unpopular because they're good at football. Yeah, so then yeah. kids that go up, oh, it'll be all right because he's in the right clique. He's a, he's a good footballer, so everyone will like him. That, that, that's the way I, I think it the, is. The interesting one for me on that is you're right 90% of the time. However, I've also heard of one or two instances where it goes the other way. Really? And people try and drag, because you're on a pedestal, whether you like it or not, and I say this to the young boys all the time, you're on a pedestal. The teachers will expect different standards of you because you're meant to be this elite football yeah, yeah. sportsman. Right? Yeah, yeah. 
Um, and think of that within the peer, right, your, your classmates and your peer group. Yes, you can be idolized, but some might become jealous of all the attention that you yeah, get and all yeah. that, and they try and drag you down yeah, and yeah, yeah. pick on you. Or as they get older, try and lead you into things that yeah. you shouldn't really be getting into. Like, And again, that all comes back to being on that pedestal. And for me, I was lucky growing up that I had that family support network, which A, kept me grounded, but kept me safe without smothering me. Mm. They allowed me to make mistakes, but I always knew, and especially looking back now, they were always there, like ready to catch me. Mm. They'd allow me to make a mistake, but they'd be there to catch me. And I'd learn from the mistake. And, and I think that alongside the values that Academy Football does bring as a made me the person that I am today yeah. um, and also just given me that that discipline within my life um, which I don't think you get in any other environment have you seen a big change Jim from when you were in an academy to what it's like now uh, yes uh, a lot more contact hours uh, the triple P came in um, I, for, I forget when it was um, and now the boys are in like they call it hybrid from the age of 12, I think it is. They're in like four or five times a week. Like it's a lot. Mm-hmm. Bear in mind, they've got to go to school full time yeah. as well. And then they've got to be kids. Do you know what I mean? It's, mm. it's a hell of a lot. Um, the level's gone up. The technical level is unbelievable. Mm. Unbelievable. Um, probably what you substitute with the technical level is a little bit of... Um, that steel, you might lose a little bit of steel. And I think you're seeing that with um, some of the young players that are coming through at the top end now. You're always questioning, have they got it between the ears? You know, yeah. Can they deal with, you know, a big snotty centre-half coming through the back of you or, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, whereas my youth team, especially, um, we probably weren't the best technically, but we give everyone a, a good game. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You mm. never question that. Whereas now it's the opposite way you know for a fact the boys technically are going to be fine. It's whether they've got the minerals to, yeah. to, to you know, dig in and fight. Mm-hmm. That's the main difference. The other difference now is all the, the anal- like you got a full analyst department. Yeah. Um, you've got... Testing and stuff like that. Testing, it? like yeah. it's not just a, any old bleep test that you might do in a PE Jumping, all sorts mm-hmm. of like. Yeah, like they, the, the Premier League now dictates you have to do, I think it's four year testing days per year. We, we just had the oblique test every now and again if yeah. they didn't think you were fit enough sort of thing. <laughs> the sports science behind it as they get older is, um, you know, I don't mean this in a bad way, it's taking over the game. Yeah, you know, yeah, especially yeah. under 18s, you, you've, coaching-wise, you've got to hit your physical targets. And if you fall short, the lads have to do extra. If you go over, the session basically stops and it's like, oh, we've done enough now. Get Is that up. where like it's... Um... I've heard it mentioned like the red zone, like this player's in the red zone or whatever, red like which means that like, yeah. they've done too much and, and they, like they have different zones, exactly. don't they? Yeah. Crazy. I've heard about that. Yeah, like, and you've got to hit a certain amount of high speed runs. Um yeah. which in first team environment is brilliant because like if you get that right, injury levels come down and the well, the fitness levels now compared to well, what, 10, 20 years ago, like I would say the game's quicker, therefore you have to be fitter. Um, that's just my perception on it, mm-hmm. um, and that's they're the big they're the big the biggest changes. I think you just go in a little bit more scientific and technical, whereas before it was a, a little bit more heart and mm. you know what what have you got about you? Yeah, uh, that's brilliant. We're going to touch on <clears throat> some uh, a bit further on in terms of like your 
scholarship and your professional contract and being in that, in, in around that first team. Um, if we can touch on that, what was the, what was it like getting your professional contract and how did that sort of come about and your scholarship phase and um, and yes. what sort of players were you mixing with? So uh, my scholarship, my scholarship, uh, like I said, started slowly actually because I had that blo- I, in my head. It was like a blockage. I got to the under 16s and then I couldn't. Like all my ma- like my best mate was playing in the eighteens every week, yeah. and me and him had been playing up age groups for years and years. And then I'm stuck. I, I didn't play. I didn't. I don't even think I got on in the first game of my youth team in, in my first year, the first game of the season. And then I started the next game at centre half. And then by the end of that month, I was playing in the under twenty ones. Okay. So I'd got yeah. stuck. I didn't. I didn't go anywhere in the in pre season in terms of I wasn't like a regular starter. But by the end of the month, I was in the under twenty ones at sixteen, playing against Shrewsbury and then Alfchurch. Funnily enough, we beat them in the senior cup on penalties. Um, and uh, yeah, that accelerated. And then I stayed there really. Um, I was in and out the twenty ones in my first year scholar, from what I remember, because obviously I'm still very young. Yeah. Um, and then the biggest turning point for me was uh, in my second year, I was playing in the under-21s against Derby and Lee Clark was a manager and Lee Clark was brilliant with us younger ones. He blew hot and cold on a day-to-day basis, but as a young player, he's the type of manager that you know we wanted. He was yeah. always watching our games, always around. And anyway, I was a second-year scholar playing against Nathan Tyson and somebody else at Derby. Funnily enough, Nathan, Nathan Tyson was started for Long Eating on Saturday. Really? <laughs> yeah. That's a drop day. Forest, Derby. Yeah. Um, but anyway, track. we drew nil-nil. And um, after the game, I remember Lee Clark feeding back to um, the coaching staff at how well I did. And I basically marked this championship striker out the game at the age of 17. And then all of a sudden, in his brain, I, I, was, I was up there. Yeah, do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And um, you're talking about pro contracts. Yeah, the pro contract was nice. It was the squad number that that I wanted, yeah. and that's 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 another thing that annoys me now about what happens in, especially in Category One, um, you know, like Premier League clubs and that. Yeah, um, it's great that they're playing in this Johnson's Paint Trophy because I think that's good for their development. Yeah. But they get yeah. a squad number just for being in the under twenty ones. Whereas when I was growing up, if you got a squad number, that was. Yeah. you're running around it you're highly yeah, thought yeah, of whereas yeah. now they're giving out like like squad. sweets do you know what I mean <laughs> yeah. like, and I just I, I always took real value in that squad number what did you get Jim? 36 boom straight away oh, yeah, it's, it's, on good good it's on the wall good number what sort of people were you coming up with Jim like who was in your team uh, so my age group um, not not many from my age group actually went on to the Top, top level. Mm. Um, so there was me, uh, my best mate, Reese Hales. He made his debut uh, away at Leeds in the FA Cup. Um, he's unfortunately not playing anymore, um, but he did make his debut for the first team. Uh, Nick Townsend, who's at Newport now. He was, he, yeah, he was in my age group. Uh, Charlie Adams, who played a couple of times for the first team. And then Lincoln City, I think he's at Maidenhead now. He's a, he came up from London. yeah. Um, but the, it was either side of my age group was were the real ones. So in the age group above was Nathan Redmond, Mitch Hancock, uh, Callum Riley, um, Josh Hawker, who's in non-league football now, um, Brad Gascoigne, who is at 
Tamworth now, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Emmett D'Alfonso. Um, yeah. I'm going to miss a few out. <laughs> mad, but um, And then the age group below was Damari Gray, yeah. Reese Brown, wow, uh, yeah. what a footballer he, he is. Um, then you've got, uh, who else was in the age? Connell Truman, who's now at Millwall. Um, so either side of me, there was, either side of my age group, there were quite a few that, yeah. that, that, that got through. Um, Jack Butland in the age group above that. Uh, Quasi Asante in the age group above that. Jack Demon went on to play. We had Alpslan Ozturk, who's now like a Belgium international or something like that. He went back to, uh, he was Turkey, Turkish and Belgium dual nationality. Okay, so yeah, he, went, yeah. he went back there. Will Packwood. Who did you surround yourself with? Well, when you were in that sort of first team environment, did you think, I want to sort of, or who sort of took you on and said, look, I'll look after you a bit or I'll show you the ropes or I'll give you some experience or did you um, sort of not really get that? I, I, I did. I, there's one name that springs to mind, Paul Robinson. I can't speak what highly enough of Robert. What like, a legend oh, yeah. is. Player. can't speak highly yeah, enough yeah. of him, both on and, off, it, on and off the pitch and to this day. Like, yeah. he's, he's the type of person now, obviously he's at Millwall now yeah. um, and he, he came back as a coach, but he can never do enough for you. And yeah. uh, when I was a player, I always say, and this is what I'm sort of looking into now is I probably learned the most in my pro years when Robbo came in on that short-term contract yeah. or yeah. roughly that time and he had to get fit and, he, and yeah. I played next to him. I had Paul Robinson playing next to me, talking me through the game. Definitely. And I always remember, I thought, Blimey, I'm learning loads here yeah, yeah. on the job because he's talking me through the game. So in the first team, he he was the big one. Um, but the, the good thing about Birmingham is because of the training ground and the setup, um, it, it, it you, you're around each other anyway. The 18s, the reserves, the first team, all were on site. You all had lunch together. Um, you all trained at the same sort of time. Um, you all knew each other. Most of the lads lived in like Dickens Eve. Uh, we lived in, well, I lived in Hall Green at the time. And so we were all around each yeah, other. Yeah. So it wasn't a case of you're walking into something completely different. Um, so I w Paul Robinson is the one person that springs to my mind, but I didn't even feel like I needed somebody to take me under their wing. It was just a natural, natural thing. Yeah, natural but, and, thing yeah. and I felt, I didn't feel comfortable because I was scrambling to get to the level. Like, don't get me wrong, but I felt comfortable in the environment. Yeah, yeah. you okay. never struggled with it, anything like imposter syndrome then where you looked at yourself and thought, fucking hell, why um, am I doing not it? Not imposter syndrome. No. Maybe, I suppose maybe. My, my big thing, and this is something that I don't worry about anymore whatsoever in, my, in the coaching world, is I used to worry about everyone else. <laughs> and I say this to the young players, like, I remember... Um, and this is nothing on the, the individual, by the way. I remember getting my squad number. So I'm thinking, I'm in and around the squad here. An injury and I'm in. And um, it was when Lee Clark then pulled up the 15-year-old 15, uh, 15 Josh Martin out of nowhere and give him a squad number. I think he was on the bench at 15. And I lost my mind for about three weeks. I was like, I can't understand how I'm seemingly that close even though probably quite far away from actually getting in the team and doing all that sort of business why wouldn't it be me yeah. and he's now gone and picked a schoolboy when I'm 17 18 years old he's picked a schoolboy to go in the squad and I lost my mind and probably my performance level dipped during mm. that period of time um and that's something now in my coaching life that I don't worry about anybody else nobody else it's my journey like and actually 
like I'd want to help you and I'd want to help you bring you along like because maybe if I help you a little bit you can also help me yeah absolutely uh, whereas as a player it's like nah I need to be better than you yeah like I'm mm. going to find a way to be better than you and ultimately I think that let me down a little bit because then if one thing went wrong let's say I'm training in the first team what you're talking about imposter syndrome one thing went wrong in the first team training session I don't think I'd recover for five minutes and then all of a sudden you've had a bad session yeah mm. Do you know what I mean? Whereas now, if I get something wrong in the coaching world, it's like, right, what do I need to do to fix that? Can I do it? Do I need to ask somebody else? Do I need to bring somebody else in to help me? Whereas as a player, you're like, oh, shit. It's on you, yeah, it's yeah. On you, you know it? what I mean? Yeah. And, yeah. and I, I think that's massive. And any, I'm talking about coaching now, but any coaches that I work with, that's the first thing I look for. Are they willing to help others? Mm. Because it means that you're comfortable within what you're actually doing. Mm. Um, and I think if a lot of the time, if, if you're a bit of a closed book, there's a ceiling to where I can get to. That's my opinion or yeah. where you can get to. You had a bit of a taste of non-league when you were at Birmingham there, didn't you? You went on loan to Kidderminster. Yeah, Leamington first, then Leamington Kidderminster. Th- okay. um, picked up injuries in both. Cheers. Sorry about that. <laughs> but how... How big of that was was that to go out to a non-league club like you mentioned about playing against the snotty centre centre half and you know learning that side of the game? How important was that to go out alone and have that experience? Put it like this: I wasn't very happy. No, when, at the very start, um, Were you like where the hell's Kidderminster? No, no. <laughs> well, I, I'll, be, I'll be totally honest with you because before. Um, before my loan to Leamington, I, I had in my head that I was I was going to end up at like a Burton Albion who were in League Two. Okay, Because yeah. um, I'd been to watch some League One and League Two games to get to know the level. And again, why I did that, I just, I don't know why I felt that. That was just where I thought I was at, being brutally honest with you. And then you get told you go into a Conference North team um, and that all due respect, like, <laughs> like, you know, but at the time I'm going, hang on a sec, I'm meant to be a professional footballer. And now they're sending me to a semi-professional team. Like, where does this mean I'm at? But having said that, the reality of it was it's the best thing that ever happened to me. Yeah. Best thing. I only played four games in the first stint at Leamington because I got injured. Um, but from minute one, like I loved being in the non-league environment. I loved the lads in the dressing room. I had so much respect for them. Obviously, being young, they're quite an experienced team. I had so much respect for them respect for them going to work and then coming and training of an mm. evening and it humbled me like I, I've always been quite level-headed I think but that brought me right down to earth yeah. and it was like you've got to appreciate what you've got here because it can go either way like can't it like you it can, does go either way yeah people can go and turn up to like a Leamington or whatever and go what the hell's going on sort of thing and they, they it, it, it happens can, all the time. It can kill a player can't it probably sometimes all the time the, the best example was uh Matty Sarkic who is now Wolves um I can't remember where he's at it might even be at Millwall actually um he was he came on loan to Stratford from the Villa right and uh during the year that we got to the playoff semi-final and um we we knew he didn't want to be there and okay. we were all going, well, if you don't want to be here and you're going to be a bit of a big time Charlie, we don't want you in the dressing room. Like we're here to, you know, get the job done. And how professional he was when he came in, blew everybody away. Mm. And there's no surprise that he's now, you know, he went to Birmingham, he's played at Birmingham, he's played at Wolves, he's yeah. at Millwall or wherever he is now. There's no surprise because of his attitude in that moment where he probably looked at it and went, what am I doing at all due respect? I'm going from Villa to Stratford. Like, what am I doing? Mm. 
but it, he, he took it on board. He learned from the experience and he didn't shy away from anything. And, and look, that served his development. Yeah. That's what happened to me at Leamington. Yeah. And I loved being at Leamington. Yeah. I loved it. There's nothing more humbling than seeing the rough before you experience this move. That's the way I see it. You yeah, need no, to drop. Yeah. Oh, I feel like, and no, every single guest that we've had on that has gone from an academy environment or a first team environment at a big club to then go into non-league, it's a fucking humbling experience because some of these guys like Jamie Vardy, Ian Wright, have came from the non-league game then into the pro game. Yeah. And I feel that it's, I mean, I'm not saying that being in academies is not hard, but when you're coming from the bottom and you're trying to work your way up, I think that, like I said, it's very, very humbling. That, that, that's how yeah, I definitely. see it. No, definitely. Um, but then you went, you went back to Birmingham, but then you you finished your time at Birmingham. So what sort of happened there? And so I went to Kidderminster, knowing that I was probably I can't remember if I had already been told or I kind of knew the writing was on the wall. So I went to Kidderminster. Okay. The the objective really going to Kidderminster was to try and earn a deal. Really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, at Kiddy, at Kiddy, or put myself in the, in yeah, the shop yeah. window. Obviously playing in the conference um, at the time. Good setup at Kiddy as well. Like, yeah. Like, like, well, at the time I'm... they were going through. I, I walked into an absolute shitstorm. Mm. My first day, we went to Worcester Warriors. Um, they were using the gym opposite Worcester Warriors Stadium. Oh yeah, that's, that's when they were going for that that phase of um, the stadium and stuff, weren't they? Yeah, and, and the player like and they had the board the, uh, yeah. directors in there because the lads weren't getting paid. So yeah. I just sat on this bike fresh faced out of well I've been at Leamington I'd had a great time at Leamington but I wanted more uh in terms of to move up the ladder and, and all that so I'm sat on the bike day one and the the the, the players are like basically shouting at these directors because they can't pay their mortgages because kid ain't paying them and I was like oh Jesus and <laughs> um, what I've walked into here yeah. so yeah but for me that was about getting in the shop window um from and look I would have taken anywhere full time at that point um but then I so um, I then did my left ankle away at Welling. Uh, went to have a shot. I told you, don't put me anywhere near the goal. <laughs> uh, I had a shot on my left foot and basically ruptured everything um, that you could possibly rupture in your ankle, uh, which I'd already done in, on my right ankle uh, when I was at Leamington the, the first time. Um, and then ended up needing... Well, it was like three operations in one that they did on me. Um, and then, of course, I'm out of contract... I'm having operations, I had to cancel a holiday um, because I couldn't fly, you know, certain period of time before or after the operation. Um, And I'm left out on my arse, basically. Um, But uh, at that point, Birmingham let me stay. Dave Singleton, the academy physio at the time, I can't speak highly enough of him, um, looked after me, got me, and the the club, Gary Rowett, who released me, said, look, you use us for as long as you need to to get back to a place where you can run, change direction, things like that, mm. and then go and find yourself a club. And that's what I did. How, how was it for you at the time, like mentally? Oh, I was in you, a bad place. Really? I was in a bad place. I'm the sort, I come from a, a family of, you see if there's a problem, we don't, we don't dwell on the problem, we find solutions. Mm. And it's almost... You not ignore the problem, but it's like straight away, bang, how do we fix it? And so I was in that mode, but probably when I was injured, I had a focus of getting fit. When I was fit and I was chasing the dream, well, 
I went back to Leamington, but at the next sort of six to nine months, I chased the dream and mentally I was shot. Really? Just so hard. I used to, yeah, I, I didn't have a job for a little while. I did like little bits that, because I wanted to, to work around part-time football to try and move yeah. on up. Um, and I, you know, I, I think I think they know this now. So if my mum and dad are going to listen to this, um, <laughs> like I I started off going to the gym twice a day and I was trying to get full-time fit. So I was trying to replicate a full-time program on my own. Now, there's only so many times you can get told no in terms of contracts or opportunities elsewhere or whatever. And then you, your motivation starts to dwindle and then I'd be staying in bed until like two. The only reason I'd get up is I knew my mum would come home um, and I didn't want her to see that I'd been in bed all day. So then I'd get up and go to the gym, half ass it in the gym because your motivation's low. And I just ended up spiraling really. Um, not Nothing clinical, but if you speak to anyone who knew me, that, that weren't me. No. Mental but, health sort of. Yeah. Was, was quite yeah. Was low. It's not all sunshine and rainbows in this football game, mate. No, no, that's why I think mental health you. needs to be spoken about a lot more in the football game. Mm. Like this needs to be the forefront, really, the mental health side of it. I agree completely. So, yeah, but the, the the thing that got me through that probably again was the support network. So the family, the family support network, and then I ended up. Um, my dad's friend said. Uh, he owns a personal training business and he said look go and get yourself qualified because you can do it in six weeks can't you yeah goes, get yourself qualified as soon as you've done that you got a job um so signed up um to the course got qualified in six weeks on week seven i was charging 40 pound a session in the in tudor grange leisure center uh, under him and that flipped my life switched my life around wow, that, that gave me the focus that also allowed me to go right i'm just going to consolidate what i've got in part-time football went to Stratford um and then just got back on my feet did you did you have any um like football league clubs like when you left Birmingham was was there any sort of football league interest or not really not, not really not concrete interest um, a few trials and that or problem what? was is I went to Kidderminster played four oh, games uh, picked up the injury then you know it's like I was out I couldn't run until the November so you sort of missed that period of you forget of forgotten that, about yeah, mm. yeah and yeah. then I went to I remember going to Macclesfield um, I went to Macclesfield drove up got host, uh, you know paid for a hotel myself um, played in an 11 v 11 on a match day minus one so the day before a game um in the like the opposition team, but the manager really was watching the starting eleven and focusing on that. Um, so I really didn't really get a look in. Um, got told don't bother coming back. Um, chased chased a few of the bits, um, bits and pieces. But I think it's another process that young young boys have got to go through. They have to chase it because they'll only resent not chasing it. But mm. again, they need a support network around them where you go in. You go and do what you need to do, but as soon as I see somewhat wavering, like we were talking about mental health and all that sort of stuff, as soon as you see somewhat wavering, we're here to catch her. That's what I had with, well, I had it with um, Paul Holleran helped me out massively. I, got, I don't know where I'd be without Everybody him. Everybody speaks highly of Oogie, everyone Yeah, uh, Richard Beal, um, again, to this day, I can't thank him enough. Um, and then, um, of course, my parents, and yeah. my, my family, I... I I say my parents a lot, but it's the whole family. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean. It's yeah, the definitely. whole, the whole lot. So you mentioned a little bit about Stratford as well, Jim. How how was your time at Stratford? Um, I loved it overall. Yeah. I loved it. 
Um, so I went in there. So after I chased the dream, um, I kind of, Paul Halloran uh, put me in touch with Kyle Adams. And if I remember rightly, I had a choice. I say a choice. <laughs> uh, I could have gone to Sutton Coalfield or Stratford. And I don't remember why I chose Stratford. I just did. Mm. Um, went there uh, under Kyle mm. Adams. They'd just been promoted, if I remember correctly, into step three. Which was the Southern Premier then. Yeah. Um, went there, um, started playing a few games, and then Richard Gregory was the captain at the time. He then moved. He left to go to Leamington, actually, I think it was. So within two or three months, I was club captain at Stratford at the age of 21. A um, couple of seasons uh, there by the end of, I might be wrong on this, uh, the second season. Um, there was a budget cut. The club ran out of money, basically. Um, and the future was a bit uncertain for the club. That's where um, Jed came in and basically saved the club. Loads of uncertainty. Um, and um, But then Jed turned the club around and the club now is thriving. Yeah, they do. Mm-hmm. Like he's, done, he's done wonders there. Um, obviously, club captain. And then we had the playoff year. Um and uh, well, Darren Byfield was appointed when Carl left. Um, that didn't last all that long, which I was gutted. I was absolutely gutted because I loved working with Byers. Yeah. I, really? I really loved it. It was only short player period. as well, and yeah. early and stuff. But like yeah. so much experience in in like the league and that weren't he? And, yeah. Because um, he's not. He's, he's coaching in the football league, and is he? Yeah, Walsall. Wal- number, yeah, Walsall. Yeah, that is first team coach under yeah. Matt Sadler now. Yeah, he, so. he, he took a. Well, it didn't take a big drop, but I suppose it was all a learning process for him. Was he at Walsall Wood at one stage? Yeah. yeah. I think he went to Stratford. Yeah. I can't remember which way around it was, but it was Stratford. No, Redditch, Stratford, Walsall Wood and Alvechurch. I can't yeah. remember what order it was. Mm. Um, but yeah, I was gutted that didn't work out. I genuinely was yeah. gutted. Um, good guy too. Good guy. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I enjoyed. I enjoyed working with him. It was... His ideas and and all that, I, I was just like, yeah, I'd, I want you to stick around. He didn't. Um, Thomas, well, we had an interim, um, sort of Neil Marsh and uh, Steve Walker on an interim. And then Thomas Bailey came in and we ended up getting to the playoff semi-final, losing to Kings Lynn um, and winning the, whatever, uh, the Southern League Cup, which mm. for the football club. Yeah. It's, a, it's one of them ones where you always... For early rounds, you think you could do without them. Yeah. You get to the final, you think, I'm going to win a trophy. Yeah, yeah. Have it all the time, don't you? Yeah, so yeah, you, like, you can always hell. blame a cup run if you don't win and if you lose out on a league or if you lose a couple of games, you can always say, oh, it's that cup run that did us over. <laughs> yeah. But at the time when you're in it, you're thinking, we want to go and win this. Do you yeah. know what I mean? But it was strange, like even in that final, we rested players because <laughs> we were fighting to get in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, we rested players in the final. Uh, I forget who played Cinderford, I think it was mm. uh, at home. So we rested uh, two or three because we had a big league game the following weekend, yeah. and we were like Saturday, Tuesday, like pretty much all the way through. Um, but again, like I kind of look back on that a little bit, and it's you want you want a cup. Like nobody can take that away from no, you. No, that's mm. it. Yeah, yeah. I, you know what I mean. Mm. Um, so yeah. Um, what about um, changing rooms in sort of you know your time? So. With Stratford and Leamington, like there must have been some like some good characters in the changing yeah. rooms and that. Totally different dressing room. Especially rooms. if you've been in the change room with Jamie Hood. Yeah. <laughs> so I walked into that dressing room as an eight, eighteen year old, I think it was, with 
um, Batch was in there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Jamie Hood. Uh, who else was in there? Lee Moore was in there. Louis yeah. Feeney was the number two goalkeeper. Tony Breeden uh, was God. in goal. Yeah. Steph yeah. Morley was at left back. Matt Dodds. Uh, Lee Chilton. It was Gooch there at the time? Uh, he was there in so. the second, my second yeah, spell. Yeah. So I think Steph Morley left to go to Brackley or something like that. And then Gooch went in. He's one of my favourite people yeah. in football, Conor Goodris. I love um, him. But it was brilliant. Like that dressing room, like, it was it was crackers. Yeah. How 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 um the manager kept hold of that dressing room, I never know. <laughs> I have you down as quite reserved. Yeah. Though, yeah. Jim, like you you seem very chill. Yeah, very like, relaxed, you're very chill. I can't have you I can't picture you like winding people nah, up no, or no no, no. no. Nah, chill. Chill. Is that something now you're a manager that you're thinking I need someone I need to count on someone to make sure the dressing room's right? Because um, that's an important bit. part. Yeah, being maybe, a player ma- and being in that I th- environment, especially initially. Now, now, obviously, um, I think the big thing for me, like you say, I am quite level-headed mm. and I am quite relaxed. And the only way you get that out of me is by putting me on the pitch. Yeah, yeah. Like, then I become a bit of a mm. bit of an idiot. And you ask all the officials; they'll, they'll all call me uh, words that we're not allowed to use on here. Yeah, <laughs> like, you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, it is important. But I believe that there are different ways of doing it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like respect is a two-way thing. That's big for me. Um, say it to all the all the players that I've got now. Um, I'll respect you for as long as you respect me. And mm. the minute I don't respect you, I wouldn't expect respect back. And the minute you mess about and you step out of line with me, we're going to have a problem. Yeah. Um, it ain't got to be shouting and screaming. I don't think it all can be. I think there's a time and a place for it, but it can't be nowadays because it just goes over, over people's heads. Yeah, yeah. People just think oh, I'm just going to move on yeah. <laughs> and get yeah, somewhere else isn't it we're, and, if, and if you're not backed up with um, for want of a better phrase evidence like you're not backing yourself with your opinions or whatever we're in a gen- generation where you just go well why are you saying that to me yeah. if you can't explain yourself you're in real bother because they'll keep coming back with why 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 and they'll catch you out the minute mm. they catch you out mm. you're done yeah. so we've got obviously mo- moving on now on, the, on your career We've branched three to, together, ain't we, Cookie? Yeah. So we've yeah, got yeah. Tamworth, Bromsgrove, and rugby. So you progressed sort of onto that level. So you join a, a number of different clubs after Stratford. So the ones that I've just mentioned Tamworth, Bromsgrove, and rugby. Um, did you feel that you struggled to settle there? And that's why there was a. Mm. Uh, no. Didn't struggle to settle. I thought I would. I don't like change. Mm. So leaving Stratford was a decision that I made because we'd had their playoff success and I felt like I could give more. I, I had this thing. So again, it was part of that parent talk where when I was young, I wanted to become like, I wanted to get Blues promoted. I wanted yeah. to win yeah. the World Cup and, you know, whatever, it, go and play in Europe for Birmingham. Whereas yeah. I got to a point where I wanted a child of mine to watch me play. Yeah, I wanted the name on the back of my shirt and I wanted to win promotion. Now, I looked at it at Stratford and, and when what offers have I got, Tamworth came in. Um, Thomas Bailey went from Stratford to head of football at um, Tamworth and I looked at it and I went, if you get that right there, a very good chance of getting promoted. Um, so I went to Tamworth and that year, it, it was a funny one because uh, I, I say this to everyone like, and good, a good friend of mine uh, always says, um, never write us off. Because I was written off when I went to Stanworth. Uh, you got 
We had some good central midfielders there. Were they at like um, step, Conference North? Step three. Okay, and so that's struggled. when they dropped down. So that yeah. was when, uh, I can't remember who got sacked. Because um, we beat them. Yeah, the, the old, I think he was Boston manager. Um, can't remember his name. They, they, anyway, they, they yeah. were struggling in step three. They got relegated and then they, they struggled and every, like the place was a little bit, yeah, you know, yeah. it was upside down. Um, anyway, so I've gone in there and like, look, there were some really good players at that club. Like Brian Beswick was the captain. Like That was the level of player that you're talking about. Um, and I was written off and I was like, nah, don't worry about me because I'll show you. And I ended up forcing my way into the team. I played 30, 40 games for them, whatever it was. Um, and then obviously COVID killed. Oh, okay, we were yeah. top. We were joint top with three games in hand or something stupid like that. It was going to be between us and Royston anyway. And um, and Peter Sports were there or thereabouts, but they played a few more um, and it got taken away from us. Being totally honest, probably what ended my career mentally because I wanted that promotion. I, want, I believed we were going to win the league, taken away from us and then come back in the following pre-season. And I didn't feel like I was given the respect that I'd earned from okay. my performances in a footballing yeah, point of view. Yeah. No problem off the pitch. Yeah. But I didn't I didn't feel like I'd ha- I got the respect that I'd earned. And um then I, f- I went back to Stratford um at that point. Um probably wasn't the same player that I was. Um I stopped doing all the work that I really nailed beforehand. But I went back to Stratford, got into the FA Cup first round on live on TV. Um so that was good. Um but again that was at a point where at the end of that stint at Stratford, I, got, I was full-time at Birmingham. I needed some as close to home as what I could get. I had to balance the, all the different things that were going on. And that's when I went to Bromsgrove. Yeah. How was, um, how was Bromsgrove? I loved being in around the football club. I walked in in the off-season into the bar to sign the papers. And it was one of them where the manager had got like, as many of the new signings in as possible because they yeah. just have a bit clear out basically. And I walked in and I went, yeah, I like it here. Yeah. I like it here. What um, a journey, by the way. What they've done. Wrong, yeah, Bronze yeah, yeah, yeah. They've probably, they've probably got to a point now where they need something to kick on again. Like they yeah. need, I don't, I don't know what it is. I don't know the ins and outs of the football club, but they need something to go again. But yeah, it was, I just felt like, yeah, this is, this is proper. Like I, I, I thought Tamworth, Tamworth are a big club, huge club for the level. Like you're walking at Bromsgrove, I was like, this is, this is real. Um, loved it. I loved it there. Time got cut short because of the politics within non-league football. Um, yeah. And look, I, funnily enough, if the politics didn't get in the way, I probably would have stayed for as long as what I, I could have. I might mm. even still be playing now. I don't know. Um, but it was kind of... When you're thinking, I'm in an R in us to do a drop down the levels and just pick up a bit of pocket money and and just try and enjoy it on the side, or do I really keep focusing on it? When the politics get involved, it makes your mind up a little bit, or it helps make your mind up. So is it after Bromsgrove? That's when you were sort of like weighing up, going, do I carry on? Do I not? Yeah. And it's sort of like, well, you know, because you mentioned you went to rugby, didn't you? And yeah, help so out. that's when you that when you helped out for a few games and stuff. And yeah, so what happened was um, I got left out. I actually got asked if I wanted to be left out against Hereford in the FA Cup, and I knew something was wrong when I got asked if I wanted to be left out. Right, yeah. I was like, mm. you're going to say yes, aren't yeah. you? Oh yeah, I love that weekend after. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, and I thought, oh, my days are limited here. 
Um, and then, then uh, sure enough, the next weekend, I was left out of the squad completely. No no message, no nothing. Yeah, yeah. Just team, team list went in the group chat. I weren't on it, so I thought, right, I'm struggling here. A um, couple of weeks went by um, and I went to Worcester for two games because Keenan, um, Keenan went there with Jeremiah Richards and Deeks, um, Graham Deakin. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've got, got a lot of time for all three of them and they just sort of said, look, come and keep fit, come and get some games and we're trying to, you know. So no sleeping giant, in it, Worcester? Yeah. Like yeah, the setup they've got. I, mean, I think we've, we spoke about this before. Like they obviously, they were in Averson's League last year. And, yeah. Um, and like when we went there, and like the setup they got is it's incredible, isn't it? And they just yeah. need that something, like you said, that something just to go boom, they go for it and they get promotion or or whatever, don't they? Just need something because yeah. I think the setup. I think changing leagues can help. That yeah, they haven't. They're yeah, in a different where league. Where have they gone to? Uh, I can't remember what league it is, but I, I know he- it's he- Hellenic. Yeah, oh, yeah. Because yeah, one of my mates was playing for. Well, he's a friend of a friend, um, Aaron Roberts. Yeah, he's, so I played with Aaron. When yeah, I, uh, he's good. Uh, Absolutely crazy. <laughs> but um, he's, uh, I think that's one of the reasons why he moved. Well, Bromsgrove came back in for him. So he had, I think he wanted to go. So, but that Hellenic division is some travelling for a step, yeah. for step five. Oh, you do some travelling in that league. Mm. It's absolutely yeah. huge. Yeah, and, and so I played two games at Worcester. Um, and look, I, I enjoyed playing for Keenan. Like he, we're on the same wavelength uh, in terms of how we see the game, his preparation, how he delivers things. Like, um, but then uh, I can't remember why. I, it, it got to a point where they wanted to sign me permanently, like not on a dual register, like yeah, commit to us sort of yeah. thing. Um, and then Thomas Bailey got sacked from Bromsgrove, and. Um, I went back into Bramsgrove, uh, Maka was caretaker. I can't remember if he was a caretaker or he'd been appointed or whatever it was at the time. And the budget wasn't right for me, so they couldn't pay what I wanted. Um, and I'll be honest, I, I sort of, I didn't even try and fight it. And I just went, nah, yeah. that that do me. I'll spend some time with my family. Yeah. I had Christmas with my family. With nice. no football for the first time in, well, ever, basically. Uh, enjoyed it. And then... Um, yeah, it was the last six weeks of the season when I went to rugby. Yeah. Uh, I, um, I'm going to end this question here. What advice would you give to other players about academy football and non-league football? So if you're speaking to a younger self or a younger player, what sort of advice, or not even a younger player, but like, um, I don't know, like a player in like the under-18s or something like that, what advice would you give about the difference between academy and non-league and stuff like that and... What experiences they need to find? It's a great question, Cookie. It is a good question. Linking the two is difficult. It is, isn't um, it? I think. I think they're two totally separate entities. That's so different. Uh, it's hard to it's hard to link the two. Uh, to any young player, um, I, my biggest thing, and it, and it sounds so cliche, like you've got to learn to enjoy it. And if you don't enjoy it, it's just not for you, and that's okay. Um, that is really okay. How many how many young people? I mean, look, going back to your earlier question, I didn't go on a tour or a trip until I was 16. Now, Birmingham's a little bit different because of what's been going on at the football club, but um, most football clubs now in their academies, like Wolves fly off. I know they're yeah. in um, Spain or something like that. Warm weather like, camps and stuff like that, mm. don't they? How many young people get to experience elite level youth football in a different country? Yeah, yeah. Like that is amazing. 
And what you've got to do, my biggest advice is don't forget that. You can get wrapped up in this is the normal for me. And again, the support network, the parents, they can get wrapped up in, well, we should be going to Spain because we play for Wolves. My son plays for Wolves or Villa or Blues or West Brom or whoever it is. But you've got to take a step back and go, what are the other boys and girls doing at that age? Mm. Like, they're not fly being flown off to God knows where. You've got to enjoy that. You've got to really... And along with enjoying it, you will learn so much and you'll develop so much quicker because I don't, I don't believe there are many other environments that accelerate social skills as much as what football can do. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Um, so that would be my one for the academy world is not to forget the outside world. Yeah, yeah. You're in a really privileged position. Make sure you make, make the most of it. Um, and then the non-league world... Enjoy the ride, Jesus. Yeah. Enjoy the ride. And now you're, you're back Again, it, it's similar. It, I suppose it's similar but different. The friends I've made in non-league football are friends that, like the like you say, that you go through so much, so much shit together. Yeah. Um, and forever friends, though, ain't there? Forever friends. Uh, wow. Friends that I can speak to once a year, but my God, they've got my back and I've got theirs. Mm. I'd do anything for them. Um, car schools oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> richard bill said to me you will never get um friends like your car school friends who yep. was your car school then uh so mikey taylor i'm his driver everyone knows me <laughs> as his driver um <laughs> mikey taylor i've had i've had quite a few dan van who's now at stratford yeah uh, dan van um who else great name that is yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah um who else there's loads I'm gonna forget some. I'll never Sorry. forget Goodge's Goodge's story about car schools. Yeah. Um, oh, it's Goodge and Hoodie, isn't it? Alex, 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 no, Alex Goodge. Alex Goodge. Oh, Alex Goodge. Alex Goodge. Alex Goodge. Alex Yeah. He was telling us a story about car schools and, and Jimmy and stuff like that. And well, the the, the, uh, the, the only the, this is this is quite deep, but it's again this is a, a, a thing that you wouldn't go through with anybody else. So it was me, Mikey Taylor, and a lad called Charlie Evans, who I believe was at Hinkley. Okay. Um, I don't know if he's still playing now. He's, he was young. He was a young lad at Stratford anyway, and we sort of took him under. I mean, he's, he's a top lad. But anyway, we were playing Biggleswade away on Valentine's Day night. Mm -hmm. We lost three-one. Like didn't get a kick. It was a nightmare. The coach got stuck on this bridge um, in the middle of nowhere. So we ended up middle of nowhere, like late yeah. anyway. Valentine's Day night. Got back to the car uh, at um, Coventry M6 and then drove M42 back to Shirley. And uh, this is now 2, 3 in the morning, right? So we're tired. We've got whacked. Just want to go home. We've got work in the morning, etc. Anyway, we've come off the Shirley Junction um, of the M42. Turn right to go on the Stratford Road. And Mike is in the front going, did you see that bloke? And there's a bloke stood on the bridge ready to jump off. Oh, my God. And he's gone, you've got to, you've got to turn the car around. I didn't see him. He goes, you got to turn the car around. So we just, I've spun the car around and this bloke's ready to, to jump off the bridge. Um, and it's just us around and he's in the in the lorry lane. Like pitch know, black as well. Or pitch like, black, yeah, three o'clock like, in the morning. Jesus. So we've called the police and said, look, there's a bloke on the bridge, blah, blah, blah. And the police said, you can't go up to him or anything. You just need to watch him. So we sat and watched this bloke on the bridge until the police turned up. So obviously, if he jumped, we needed to let them know right. he's jumped or whatever. But he said, you can't speak to him because you're going to spook him and whatever. Yeah. So we've sat there for a good 20 minutes in the car at the traffic lights. And this bloke's like rocking, looking like he could jump at any time when, you know, when a passing lorry comes. And we just sat there watching him. 
um and then the police come and talk him down took him ages took him into the big tesco and we sort of went to the police and said look we were the ones that called you know is he okay and he'd had a barney with his missus uh, a few i think a few mental health problems as you can yeah, imagine yeah. and he took himself to the bridge and he, they, they said look he did ring because he was dead set on jumping off the bridge so we were sat in the car together and look that's a really deep that's story un- no, that's unbelievable though. but yeah Three o'clock in the morning on Valentine's Day night, we were away yeah. at Biggles Way. Imagine saved. if that coach wouldn't have got stuck. Is that yeah? And you've yeah, you've saved that boy's life. That's like, unbelievable. We've never uh, had anything like that that's before. Deep. That's, that's really that's deep. That's really deep. That's really I'm, deep. I, I, I like it. That's really deep. Yeah. Hi guys, it's Davo from the Non-League Treatment Room podcast. Uh, we just want to give you a quick message about one of our sponsors, Kitstop. Kitstop offer a wide range of kit for all types of sport, which can be printed and embroidered in-house. Top quality and deal with most of the leading brands. Check out their website, kitstop.co.uk, or check out the link below. Cheers, guys. Just going back to your point there on what you what you said about the academy um, network and stuff like that, um, and I don't want to come across controversial here, but I, I was only in academy football for a short amount of time, so I was at Leicester. Um, great set of lads there, all looked after me, really good. Um, just started doing it, just the scouting, and then got roped into a little bit of coaching. Now I had to come away from it. Had to come away. Just because I thought some of these kids are being sold a dream that in reality is a nightmare because it was just when they started forming these shadowing elites. So all of these kids were going into their schools and telling their mates that they were playing for Leicester City Academy. And they weren't. They were paying monthly to, to, to then go. They get the nice tracksuit. But they were paying to play. But they were paying. Well, I think it it was just in the transition, but it definitely happens now. Like these uh, in the community and stuff like that. Brilliant. Don't get me wrong. Get the kids playing football. I completely agree with what you said. But the way I see academy football is, number one, you got to be good enough. And if you're good enough to play for an academy, then you'll go and play for the academy. And that's why I had to step away from it. Because I just thought, in reality, I'll look at you as a scout and no disrespect, but you're miles off it. Yeah. Absolutely miles off it. But you're being sold this dream that you play for an academy. And sometimes I feel like now, not all clubs, but some clubs are setting kids up to fail. That's how, I don't know if you agree with that or not, Jim. Um, I suppose there's a lot of context around what you've just said. Mm. And every football club is different. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm big on making the, kids and also the parents very aware or as aware as what I can be without crushing their their dreams and just being honest and real with them Mm. Um, uh, and it's a tricky one because different experiences will lead to different opinions do you know Mm. what I mean like I think it's one of them worlds where if you make it all the way through then you'll probably have a good good you know recollection of what the academy system did for you and if you didn't then nine times out of ten you might have a poor recollection of it. Mm. Um, are they setting them up to fail? Um, I think the football clubs now are like, like another thing that's different. I know Birmingham have got like a player care department now. Brilliant. Um, and funnily enough, when I first got released from academy football, um, I remember being asked, well, what, what do you want? 
what would your ideal role be within football? And I said, I want to be someone who helps the boys when they get released. That's what I wanted to do. I didn't want to coach or anything like that. When I was in that bad place, I was like, I want to help people like me. Um, and there was nothing, not one thing. I think that's such an important role. I think, I think that's such a massive point. Yeah. And it's been said on other podcasts. Yeah. It was on Ben Foster's podcast. And it might have been Paul Robinson. He was, yeah. That yeah, actually yeah. said it. And he said, I want to create a database. Yeah, where, I've heard about that, yeah. Where when somebody gets released, because obviously it, it can destroy a lot of things. You can't, obviously your mental health, your confidence. You show their skills and what they want to do and what they want to get into, yeah. Just just a backup plan. Yeah. Because some people are so reliant on football and that's their dream and that's their goal. And obviously you said that in your story that you were still switched on with your GCSEs, that was engraved into you by your family and yourself. And you thought, this has got to be done, even though I've got this brilliant achievement on the side of being an academy graduate or potentially I'm still doing my GCSEs. I think some of these kids don't see it like that. They I think, think that, the, yeah, I think the, the end bit, I think, um, and I, I listened to that podcast actually. Yeah. And it took real interest because that was around the time that I was delivering this talk to the parents. Right. Um, and, I, and I thought, do you know what, these, these two are onto something. Yeah. And they were talking about uh but like lads when they retire at five or whatever it was. And they are onto something, but I think it goes deeper than that. And I think it needs to start a hell of a lot earlier than that. You can have player care departments, but if the player care department only deals with the player once they've been released, I think it's too late. I think you have to go really early. Yeah. And it comes back to my 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 point is as soon as a young boy or girl enters an academy setup. I think there's got to be um, something in place whereby they are allowed or, uh, and I say allowed, not that they're not allowed, but time-wise, mm. where they can still be a young person. Yeah. yeah. And you're not you're not in this, like, this bubble. Mm. Um, at Birmingham, and again, Birmingham, one of the reasons why I stayed was I agree with the environment I'm I'm bored with the environment. We call it um, an authentic childhood experience because mm. it's different, but it's still a childhood experience. So when they're in the foundation phase, nines to elevens, they're kids. Yeah. Like the sports sciences, we, I mean, I'm give all their secrets away now. <laughs> now, uh, they, they, they call it the sports science is performance playgrounds. So the kids are like jumping over boxes and doing yeah, gambols yeah, over. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. Stuff you do as a as a kid, because what you don't get anymore is you don't get as many kids playing on the streets as when yeah, we yeah, were young. Yeah. Right? I used to be out in the street all the time. You don't yeah. get that anymore. And I, I speak for Birmingham, like that's one thing that that authentic childhood experience. Part of that was how do we replicate street football, like where the kids can just enjoy it and be mm. young. Um, and on top of that, go and play the sports, go and find other things that they're interested in. Mm. The ones that I get worried about are the ones with no other interest than football. You yeah, can't have a conversation with them if, unless it's something to do with football. They're yeah. the ones that I'm worried about. Yeah. If you're telling me your son, daughter is also interested in, even if it's golf or likes, I don't know. Tennis or. Tennis or yeah, language or yeah. loves art or drawing. I'm thinking you'll be all right. Because yeah, you've yeah. got something else and that can be that can be almost installed or encouraged, to say, not installed, encouraged from a younger age. Because then when you do come out of it, you haven't just got football. You've got, like even me, my parents made me uh, get through my GCSEs. They made me do an A-level, which I hated. And, uh, and I stopped that after one year. I didn't, didn't finish it. Um, but I didn't have anything else. Mm. I didn't have any, uh, I didn't have anything else really to, to fall back on. Um, and, 
as uh, Ben Foster and Paul Robinson were talking about, there's, look, it's easy to say the PFA need to do more or yeah. the FA need to do more, um, which is correct in some regards. Um, but at the same time, I think the game needs to recognise that it need the prevention, it's like, what's the what's the phrase? Prevention's better than, you know what I mean? Like if you get if you get it early, you can prevent it from even happening. Absolutely. Yeah. You see what I mean? Yeah, uh, yeah. And it's not going to be an exact science. I don't think it ever is. But um, I think it's something that, I think that's the route. That's where you're talking about mental health in football. Yeah. Um, and again, I'll come back to my journey. My journey is middle of the road. I call it middle of the road. It's like you nearly got there, but you didn't quite get there. Yeah. So you see both sides. When actually, and I was always, I was nervous of talking about it, but mm. actually we only hear about Jude Bellingham's story <laughs> or you only hear about, unfortunately, some of the horrible, horrible stories. You never hear of someone in the middle mm. and actually you can take a lot of learning yeah. and players, young players, parents, etc., can take a lot of learning from somebody that isn't the best in the world and isn't, and, and luckily hasn't been at the real bottom. I've been near to it, but not, rock yeah. bottom mm. um but again yeah i just think it can i think that's the there. that's that's something that the reason why I, we do this podcast is to have stories like yourself and other other people have had from you know you look at season one look at the players we've had on there like dev mm. good job peps peps like the, the and and this is why i so wanted you to come on because i knew your journey i thought like what a, what a story to tell, and I I'm I'm 100 with you in terms of I hope someone takes something out of this and goes yeah mm. like it's it's not all bad it's not all it's it, life it, and it? it's life and and I, well, when we're talking about stuff that needs to be distilled in in clubs um, I think it also needs to be this, in in the clubs where it's non league's okay yeah you know. It's different. You know, when you sort of touched on going, oh, I'm going on loan to so-and-so, and it's like, well, am I going down to that level? Mm. Actually, it needs to be a sort of thing of, non-league, you can have a really good it's career at non-league. Yeah, you can earn good money at non-league, and, and and that's where sometimes that can kickstart your career, and who knows yeah. where you can go. And I think... I, I definitely think that we 100% back, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not pushing you to go and do what you said, like this, this thing that we've just spoke about, um, about sort of this safety blanket for for the younger people when things don't go right, but say if anything did come of it, we'd one hundred percent support it yeah, because definitely. we've spoke about it so many times. Yeah. Everybody everybody talks about it as well. Yeah. So many times. Yeah, every, I I hear so many conversations, and you come across conversations and different things like that. But in reality, who's who's actually doing something about it? Do you know what I mean? Like. Mm -hmm. um, well, the time it's that does need to be done and, and like you say also non-league within non-league football what's non-league football brought to me like I've had such great times so again you go back through my whole journey what do I remember I remember being happy when I was younger yeah like I don't I, don't get me wrong I remember losing to Everton 11-3 and West Ham 10-0 like I remember that vividly but what do you overall remember I remember being happy yeah. you asked me what what's your overriding feeling in non-league football enjoying it yeah. enjoying like mm. don't get me wrong there's a lot of bs in there don't, oh yeah don't get me wrong yeah, yeah, but yeah. when i look back i'll be like i had a good time yeah, yeah. Had a really good time and look it's not where like jew bellingham is not, not <laughs> real madrid now mm. um but i'm happy yeah and look 
I wasn't when I was 20, when I was released, 21, for uh, 18 months or so. But at some point in everybody's life, there's, you're going to have different things that are going to challenge you and whatever. But I'm now on my feet and look where I am now. Yeah, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm so happy with where my life's at. Yeah, um, which and again 10 years ago I said this to the to the parents I said 10 years ago if you'd have said this is where I'd be when you're 28 I'd have just gone oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, joking yeah. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. but I wouldn't have changed it none yeah. of it I definitely got a name for this episode have you middle of the road episode oh great bit. name it's been superb bit. honestly this has and um what a fucking great yeah thanks so much for this way. we always finish with some quick fires yes okay nearly forgot so um yeah we're gonna do the quick fires but thank you so much for sharing this honestly thank you so much so i'm gonna start best player you've played against against oh i feel this is gonna be an outrageous name yeah I've just got a feeling. Proper name drop. Yeah. <laughs> Played against. Um, does it have to be an opposition team? Or can it be in training? Any, yeah, anyone yeah, really, yeah. 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 Anyone. Who's giving you a Tory time? Ravel Morrison. Morrison. Oh, wow. Ravel Morrison told me he was going to make me. I tried to stop him and he still made me. <laughs> he told me before. Just He was on the board. He went, I'm going to make you now. So I half started shutting my legs and he went through my legs. They need to release a documentary on him. I'm telling you, such a such a good player, and no, such it's a, just, it's it was just really, a shame. Like, really nice it? to be around. Like, yeah, really? be around him, yeah, yeah, yeah that's so. amazing. And what a player, but yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, uh, best manager you've played for, Paul Allen. Yeah, boom, <laughs> love that. <laughs> Next, still going as well, isn't he? Yeah, unbelievable. Love it, love that's it. So we need to get him on. Um, best player you've played with. Uh, best player I've played with. Best player I've played with in. Oh no, I've got a pick now, have not I? You can have a couple if you can want. Have a couple. You can have yeah, a couple. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'm gonna get so much stick for saying this. <laughs> Ryan Beswick. Yeah. Great player. Um and the other one, uh just all round Ben Stevens. Ben Stevens. Coventry. He was at Stratford with me. Uh he was at Barwell. Oh, yeah, he, he Bar- went to Macclesfield. Macclesfield. Yeah, he's now at Kings Lynn. Yeah, great. Mate, do you want to know something? Oh, I know a lad that coached at Barwell. Yeah. Paul Wynn. Shout yeah, out to yeah, Winnie. Paul, he says to me, Ben Stevens is one of the best football players technically he's ever seen. He's up there with Ravel Morrison. Really? In, wow. From what I saw him do. Um yeah. Fair play, fair play. On you, it's a shame he didn't stay in the football league. Yeah, yeah. I, I was rooting for him. I followed. You know, like you, you do, don't you? Mm. When he was at Maxfield and they went bust. And I think yeah, that's yeah. Shame, the reason he left, otherwise he'd have got a new deal. And yeah, things like he's, that. he's doing well at Kingsland at the minute. Yeah, he's scoring. He's doing well. So yeah. he's... he went back to Barwell, didn't he? And scored 20, 25 goals. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and Brady yeah. Hickey were just yeah, unbelievable. Know, I, I went and watched them versus Nuneaton Borough, and he scored an absolute worldie. Ben Stevens did. Fair play. He's a great player. Um, a bit of a different one, Jim. Favorite takeaway. Chinese. Oh, I love Chinese. That's winning by a mile now. Uh, What did you eat before a game? Did you eat anything like... Uh, Yeah, so... um, Like, uh, fried egg on toast. Yeah. Nice. Love that. Favourite TV series or programme that you're watching at the minute? That I'm watching at the minute. Or that you've watched? Uh, There's a couple. Um, Um... the Last Kingdom. Ooh, nice. nice. There. Yeah. Um, I loved Prison Break. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, go with them too. Yeah. Coast I'll stick with them too. The Last Kingdom. I can imagine, I reckon you have got a few names in this in your phone book and you're going to get more in your phone book being a manager now. Yeah. Biggest name in your phone book. Uh, oh, that's, I think I think that's an easy one now. I don't know whether it's Chico because I don't know if he's got my number, Drew Bellingham. Oh my God. Jesus Christ. It's definitely Chico because he definitely doesn't have my number, but somehow it's in my phone book. You have to. You have to ring him. <laughs> you have to ring him. <laughs> Just drop him a call. Facetime it now. I wouldn't dream of it. Have you got any su- superstitions, Jimmy, as a manager or as a player when you played? Uh, nah. Do you know what? I don't believe in things like that. I, no. I, I get them. I understand them. Yeah. But if I got caught up on, um, you know, like. I always used to have egg on toast, right? That, yeah. that was my thing, but I never got caught up on it because there'd be moments where I physically wouldn't be able to have egg on toast and that would then ruin my day. Yeah. Um, I used to make stupid stuff up as I go along. So, for example, with the egg on toast, I, I, if I flipped the egg and it was perfect, I'd go, we're going to win today. Mm. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> or if, if it didn't go so right or the egg spilled or whatever, I'd have to do it again to make no, it really right. But that, wasn't, that was more of just a, I don't want to call it a superstition. Because I, I I get wrapped up in I, get, I could get wrapped up in all that. Yeah, I'd like could. to change something, please. You could. This episode is now going to be middle of the road and egg on toast. <laughs> egg flipping. <laughs> um, first live game you went to? Oh, no. It was a Villa game. Was it? You're a Villa fan, are you? No. Can't no. be a Villa fan. He played for Birmingham for like 10, 11 years. Uh, I, I think... Uh, I'd have to ask my dad this. I think it was Villa Fulham at Villa Park because my my dad was a rugby man. So we used to go and watch More Green. That was that was my yeah, yeah, that was my play. team. That's where my mum dad lived. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, so we used to go and watch More Green. Um, but the first big live game was Villa Fulham. I'm sure, it was Fulham because my dad's best mate um, was a Villa season ticket holder. Yeah. He knew that I loved football. So um, yeah, and they tried to make me a Villa fan. And I saw the light very quickly. In Fair enough. I'm a Cobb fan, right? But I used to go to Villa games with one of my mates because he was a senior. I did as holder. well. And I'm a Baggies fan. And you know what, though? Like, good stadium and good atmosphere yeah, in there. Like, it's it rocking in there. You know? I, I went to five games I did with my mate Jordan Williams. Shout out, Jordan. Because um, I think he does listen. Him and his dad, Ray, took me to five Villa games when I was young, young. And it, I just remember he sitting the whole end. Yeah. I remember it. Um, next one, this, this is, if you remember this, I'll, well, you're only 28, so you might remember <laughs> this. First pair of football boots you ever brought? I'll just go to the first ones I remember, the white and gold Predators. Oh, you... Oh, no. Naughty. Snazzy. They're the first There's a right back. <laughs> I, was set, I was a centre Oh, at the time. I wanted to be Frank Lampard. There were ones before that, but I can yeah, picture yeah. them being sat in the little outhouse bit because my mum don't let... Um, didn't allow the football boots to be inside so they're in the little house yeah. and I can just picture them on the rack yeah there. looking all nice what about favourite holiday destination where would you like to go uh, my favourite place in the world is Italy nice. really yeah, beautiful anywhere in particular um, Florence yeah, nice. nice but we're venturing out now so uh, the dream is like the Amalfi Coast yeah oh, beautiful nice. nice and last one mate Best tea night out? Good question. Are you much of a drinker? Are you a big or was it? Uh, not I don't drink regular, like as in, I'll have a few beers after training yeah, now yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah. like that, but then I do like to drink. Yeah. On, uh, what about you, Norwich? Occasion. 
Uh, best team night out. Um, oh, blimey. We used to have some good nights out at Stratford. Um, out in Stratford as well. Yeah, sometimes. Um, no, the best the best team night out would be probably one of my first ones, Manchester. Who was we went it? to Manchester when I was at Stratford. Yeah, nice. That was. Uh, I remember having a good time in Manchester, and I've never really been back so. <laughs> class happy days yeah but yeah thank you so much jimmy um really good story really in depth thank you for sharing it and we wish you all the best at alva church um going forward Um, big game this weekend by the way fa trophy big game this weekend yeah tough yeah um we always say we we are supporters and we will try and come to games to support you in your journey and we'll look at We'll look out for you in whatever journey you take. Um, so, yeah, thank you so much. No, Episode one, season two, that's a wrap. Yeah, there we go. Jimmy. Fucking superb, mate. What an episode to get started. Sports Social Podcast Network.